Uh, I'm excited about opening up God's Word with you today, and we're going to be looking at Luke chapter 10, verses 38 to 42. Uh, Again, that's Luke chapter 10, verses 38 to 42, so please go ahead and turn your Bibles there with me now. But while you do that, I want to ask you a question, and it's a very simple question. When you woke up this morning, what was your top priority for the day? What was your top priority for the day? Now, I hope and I know uh, that for many of you, uh, it would have been coming to church. Or if we're real and honest with ourselves, then maybe for some of us, it would be the things that we have planned after church. Maybe the visit to a family member's house or, or a friend's house, perhaps. But let's move away from Sunday now. And if I were to ask you, if someone were to ask you on any given day of the week, what is your top priority for the day? How would you answer them? Now, you see, the, qu- the answer to that question matters, and it matters greatly because whatever you deem to be of most importance will affect everything that you do. There are many things vying for our time each day, and what we do each day often comes down to our priorities. Learning how to prioritize, major, major part of our lives When you go to work on Monday morning, perhaps for some of us, maybe you look at your schedule for the week and you say, hey, look, here are all the things I have to do this week. Here are the most important things for me to finish first in my schedule. Or if you're a project manager or team manager, perhaps, perhaps you set out priorities for others so that if there's a project to complete or if there's a task for the week uh, to make sure that everyone is doing the most important things first so that the project can be done on time and that things can be completed well. Or perhaps if you're a parent, You may decide, hey, there are certain things that need to be done this week in our family. Perhaps it's your child's sport practices, or maybe it's homework time, or tutoring, or music, or other extracurriculars, and so forth. But the point is this, that on any given day of the week, there are a number of competing priorities for all of us, and no matter what stage of life, and we learn to prioritize, and we deem to be, we learn to prioritize what we deem to be of most importance each day, each week, each month, and sometimes each year. We have to prioritize in order to function, and we must prioritize well in order to function well. Now, even from a very young age, we learn this. I'm I'm married to my wonderful wife, Victoria, uh, and often in our home, after dinner is finished at the dining table, uh, we'll let our kids know, hey guys, you have uh, 20 minutes before we gotta go upstairs and start getting ready for bed. And then I'll see how each one of them decides Uh, What are the most important books they need to read or the most important toys they have to play with uh, before their precious time is up and uh, bedtime comes? And you see, in in their minds, they've chosen their priorities because even at that young age, they've prioritized the most important things or the things that they deem to be the most important, which affect the outcome of their time and their actions. So on that note today, uh, look with me at Luke chapter 10, 38 to 42. We're going to see what the Lord calls the one thing necessary. We'll see what God's word says should be the Christian's top priority. And we'll see why God says that we must prioritize personal devotion above all else, which should then cause you to live a peace-filled life with eternal impact amidst all that is happening in the busy world around us today. So let's begin by reading our verses together. Luke chapter 10, verses 38 to 42 says the following. Now, as they went on their way, Jesus entered a village, and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary, who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. 
But Martha was distracted with much serving. And she went up to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her then to help me. But the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you are anxious about and troubled about many things. But one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion, which will not be taken away from her. Let's pray, church. Father, thank you for your word. And thank you for leading us and guiding us and showing us, Lord, how we must prioritize our lives. This is a busy season for many of us, Father, and we need help in this area. There's much happening around us in these times in which we live. Uh, There's so many competing responsibilities, and often so many of us feel like we're being pulled in all directions at every hour. Many of us feel the distractions around us as well. And so, Lord, help us now to understand in these passages in the Gospel of Luke the importance of learning from you and spending time intimately with you in personal devotion before all of our other competing priorities or responsibilities and distractions in this life. Help us to know what it means to prioritize correctly, most of all, to prioritize our time with you. And Lord, would you open up our hearts now and may your word speak and work through your spirit. Help us to apply what we learn to our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, our first section begins here in verse 38, and uh, we're really going to see much context here about the situation that's being described to us. Uh, The passage begins by saying, now as they went on their way, Jesus entered a village and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. The they here is referring to Jesus along with his 12 disciples. There was 13 of them in total. And earlier in the Gospel of Luke, uh, Jesus has made clear that he is on the path to Jerusalem. He is heading to the cross for his crucifixion and the upcoming resurrection and the mission that he was on. But along the way, he passes by this small village in which Martha and Mary live. Now, in the Gospel of John, we actually get a cross-reference to this. Uh, to the story, because in the Gospel of John, chapter 11 and chapter 12, uh, we learn that the village name was Bethany, and it was about two miles east of Jerusalem. It was a very, very small village. Now, as most of us know, there's four Gospels. Oftentimes, there are different accounts of the same story, uh, which really reminds us of the credibility of God's Word. And John 11 and 12 infers to us that Martha and Mary are both committed, loving followers of Jesus Christ here in Bethany. They love the Lord. And they're both loved by the Lord. They also have a brother named Lazarus, uh, who also loved the Lord and was loved by the Lord as well. And we're not going to get into the account of Lazarus today, but it's important for us to know this as we understand the context for these verses. And so the very first thing that we're going to see is the weight of responsibility on Martha's shoulders. I'm sure it's something many of us can identify with. The text says that a woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. Now, This would have been incredibly unusual during the first century, particularly within the Jewish culture. First of all, it was unusual for a woman to invite a man into her home. And Jesus was also with his 12 disciples when he entered into the village. And based on the way that hospitality worked on the time, there's the possibility that they would have all been invited into the home as well. And back in those days at a very small, quiet village like this, people would have seen this and they would have wondered what was happening. It would have been a very odd thing for Martha to let Jesus into her home like this. But in this, we see the heart of Martha. We see that Martha goes above and beyond. She acknowledges her Lord. She's incredibly kind. She's eager to serve him. She, she displays what would have been considered the height of hospitality. 
Traveling in those days was not safe. And for Martha to invite Jesus into her home for a time of accommodation, for a good, safe meal, this would have been the pinnacle of showing care and love and hospitality. And so we see here at the outset that Martha loves the Lord, loves his people, and she extends herself to serve no matter what the circumstances. Martha is doing a very good thing. Now we also see in the text that Martha welcomed the Lord into her home meaning that Martha was likely the older sibling and this was her home. I mean, that means that she was responsible for her siblings in the home and that everything was under her care. And so if you're an older sibling here today, you likely know to some degree what it's like to carry the responsibility of being the eldest in the family. Mary would have been Martha's younger sister. Now, at this point, I want you to imagine being Martha. You would imagine that you've invited Jesus Christ, your Lord, the Messiah, into your home, potentially along with his 12 disciples as well. And now you have the pressure of getting the finest preparations ready. You're not going to serve the Lord a few scraps off the table. Uh, Naturally, you're going to want to give the Lord the best because you recognize who he is. And if you're Martha in this moment, you're likely going to want to do the best you can to prepare the best meal you can, to have the best home you can, and to give your guests the best hospitality possible. Now, let's make this even more real for us, church. Imagine having guests show up at your home today after church, unexpected, wherever you live in the GTA. Now, imagine that one of those guests was the Lord himself. How would you prepare for that? What would be going through your mind, your heart? How would you feel in a moment like that? The Lord is in your home, and and what would the pressure be like on you for preparing for that? You see, Martha was a good woman, She was a faithful follower, but the weight of responsibility on her shoulders in this moment was immense. She was the oldest sister, which again meant she was the primary person in charge of her home, who had to make sure that the home was fit for the guests. And she was also in charge of the members of her household, delegating tasks, making sure that the necessary work gets done. It's so clear here in our text today that Martha is not only a faithful follower of the Lord, but she is a hardworking and incredibly responsible individual with the weight of many responsibilities on her shoulders. And for some of us, perhaps this is where you're at in your life today. Maybe you have a busy job where the tasks are mounting up and you feel the weight of responsibility on your shoulders. You want to honor the Lord at your job, but... Even if you never slept, maybe you would take a month or more to finish everything on your plate. Or perhaps you have a lot of commitments in your life. Again, all good things, things that are honorable in the sight of the Lord, things such as family responsibilities or lessons and activities for the kids, serving at church, uh, taking care of elderly parents, work during the week, counseling sessions, and maybe some of you have two jobs. But the point is this, is that the weight of responsibility for many of us is very real and it is very heavy. These are all good things, but the weight is felt. It seems for a number of us, especially as I've been speaking to some of you over the last two years during COVID, uh, that work-home boundary as well has really been blurred, and uh, many of us are in the same boat. Um, Each of us carry this uh, supercomputer in our pockets, known as cell phones, and uh, each time you look at your emails or your text messages, you see the pressure and the weight of your responsibilities mounting up. Now, if you're you're faithfully trying to serve the Lord in all these areas, then I want to let you know that this passage is for you today. Again, Martha was a woman who felt the weight of responsibility, responsibility on her shoulders, and many of us can identify with this. And so I have good news coming up for you, and it's going to come soon. But first, let's now go to verse 39. 
We understand the heart of Martha. We understand her desire to serve combined with the weight of responsibility. But now the story takes a turn. Look at me at verse 39. And she, Martha, had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. Now, we need to be clear here. What we are seeing is Mary's devotion. Mary's devotion to the Lord's word. And going back to our context, it would have been Mary's responsibility as well to help in hosting the guests in her home. Although she was the younger sister, and although Martha was the elder sibling who did feel the heaviest load, Mary would have also felt a large degree of pressure to assist Martha. You see, the cardinal rule of first century hospitality was that the guest always comes first. And so Mary would have had to support her older sister and serve the guests as a co-host in the home. But instead, the passage tells us that Mary sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. Now the word listen here, it's in a continuous form actually in the original language in Greek, and it would imply that Mary is continuously doing this. In fact, Mary is absorbing Jesus' word. And again, there would have been immense pressure on Mary to help her sister and to serve the guests. But instead, she simply came and sat at the Lord's feet and she listened. She absorbed his teaching. Oftentimes, people actually quote this verse and they say, hey, we need to just sit at the Lord's feet. But it's clear here. It wasn't simply that she just sat there. Uh, The verse is clear. She listened. She absorbed his teaching. She was active in her devotion. It was his word, his teaching, his instruction, as some translations put it, that she was taking in. Mary knew that her Savior was present and she was devoted to him and his word in the midst of many other responsibilities. And this is in stark contrast to Martha, as we're going to see very shortly. And so friends, my question for you now is this. Can you say that you're sitting at his feet and listening to his teaching today? The scriptures tell us that God is omnipresent. The Lord looks down from heaven. He sees the children of man from where he sits enthroned. He looks out on all the inhabitants of the earth. He who fashions the heart of them all observes their deeds. Psalm 33 verses 13 to 15. But more importantly, Mary received the Lord's word. This is what the text tells us. She listened to the Lord's teaching. John chapter 1 verse 1 says this. says, Jesus himself is the living word of God. In the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. And so the very Bible that you hold in your hands, friends, this is directly from God. You can indeed sit at the Lord's feet and receive His instruction today. And you can actually do it anytime you desire, simply by opening up God's Word. 2 Timothy, uh, Timothy 3 excuse me, says this, says, All scripture is breathed out by God, profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete and equipped for every good work. And so we see that God's word is core to Mary's devotion, and it's core to our personal devotion as well. This is the core. This is where we receive his teaching, where we receive his instruction, as the verse says. And we're going to revisit that soon, but remember this, Mary recognized her Savior, chose to spend time devoted to his word before everything else. She recognized who the Lord was, and she acted accordingly, because her heart correctly understood the value of time with the Lord. And she prioritized spending time with him in intimate personal devotion. And so I want you to store this feeling in your hearts, and we're going to remember this in a short moment.
But as a side note, it is important to mention this as well. Uh, the verse also does say again that Mary was sitting at the Lord's feet. Sitting at someone's feet wasn't unusual for that time. It was actually a sign of respect. Uh, it was a sign of recognizing a teacher's authority and value and, and what they were teaching. And this was the basic model at that time for how a Jewish disciple would have received instruction from a Jewish teacher uh, or a rabbi. And what was unusual about this, though, is this, which is that Mary was the one doing this both as the co-host in her home, but also as a woman sitting at the feet of a man. It was very unusual for that time and that culture in the first century. But it is worth mentioning here that this really does point us back into the character of the Lord Jesus Christ, that all are welcome at his feet. There is no distinction. Galatians 2, chapter 20, uh, Galatians chapter 2 excuse me, verses 27 28 says this. It says, All of you who were baptized into Christ have clothed yourself with Christ. There's neither Jew nor Greek nor Gentile. Uh, Samaritan, excuse me. Um, there's neither male nor female. All of you are one in Christ Jesus. You see, it wasn't about one status or background. In Luke chapter 8, two chapters previous to this, we see Gentiles coming to Christ before our passage today. And in Luke chapter 17, a little bit after today, we see Samaritans coming to Christ. And now in Luke chapter 10, we see women coming to Christ as well. And all of this is in the first century in which it would have been incredibly unusual for these things to happen. Mary felt welcomed to sit at the Lord's feet. And that's a great encouragement for all of us today that we can indeed approach the Lord at his feet, regardless of our background, regardless of who we are. We see, that, we see that when Mary's Lord came to her home, she chose to be present with him and to receive his teaching. She recognized who he was and responded in devotion despite everything else that was going on, and the Lord welcomed that. Now, I want to share a story with you. When I was a young boy growing up in my, in my parents' home, they would host an annual Christmas party. And this kind of became a family tradition for us. And uh, normally they would invite uh, roughly 30 to 40 people. Uh, and somehow they would cram all these people pre-COVID days into their home, into their house. And we would all celebrate Christmas together. And I remember the excitement building up to these Christmas parties. But as a kid, when I grew older, I also remember the amount of work that was involved. Uh, simply put, to squeeze 30 to 40 people into that home, while it was a lot of fun, uh, it was often incredibly chaotic and challenging. Uh, it was not only preparing a meal for the guests, but we'd be serving and tending to each one of the guests' needs. And my parents, they really did do the majority of the work, but I remember as I grew older being asked to set the table, help get food out of the oven, uh, me here, ask people if they need anything, make sure that everyone has chairs to sit on, and, and the list goes on and on. And there were a few times when I would stop and I would get involved in a conversation with one of the guests uh, and then my loving parents would remind me, uh, hey, I need to get back to work because we have another 10 uh, people or so waiting on something else and they needed me. They needed me to help them serve the guests. Now, this is just one example uh, of how things are in a busy situation, but I want you to think back to a time perhaps when you were overwhelmed in serving. Perhaps it's the time when a parent or an in-law showed up at your house unexpectedly and you had to clean or prepare a meal on very short notice. Or perhaps there was a time when you had to meet someone on short notice and you needed to just scramble to get ready. I want you to think back to this and now imagine in these verses how Martha felt now looking at Mary sitting down in the midst of the chaos of her home. Again, good, good chaos. Martha was doing a very good thing in hosting the guests, hosting the Lord. But imagine how much she would have, uh, imagine what she would have felt looking over at Mary, sitting at the feet of the Lord when so much needed to be done. Now again, hold that feeling in your heart. 
We're going to move on to our next verse. Verse 40 says something surprising. God's word says, but Martha was distracted with much serving. And she went up to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her then to help me. And so we see here that the word calls, what the word calls Martha's distraction. Martha's distraction. Now, look, at first glance, Martha seems to be making a legitimate request. She seems to have legitimate concerns. After all, you know, we've explored this. Mary was her sibling, and Mary should have been helping her sister also as a co-host of the home. She should have shared that weight of responsibility with Martha. But again, Martha was consumed with seemingly good things. She was serving. She was busy serving the Lord himself in her hospitality. Remember just a moment ago, I said, keep the feelings in your heart of the weight of responsibility in a busy situation. Well, this is exactly what Martha felt, if not a greater burden because of the time and the culture that demanded that she serve her guests and the fact that the very Lord himself was in her home. But the text here, God's word, tells us a very different story. God's view on this is very, very counterintuitive, meaning it is not what logic would dictate. God's word says that Martha was distracted with much serving. Distracted. Now, why distracted? Aren't these all good things that she needed to do? What about any of this as a distraction? Isn't she serving so well and showing so much love? Isn't she extending herself with such hospitality that goes above and beyond and is commendable? Isn't she doing the basic things needed for the guests in her home? Isn't she tending to her many responsibilities so well? Isn't she serving the way that any hardworking, faithful believer would? And the simple answer to that question is no. No, she's not. Martha is caught up with what I would call seemingly good distractions. And if we're honest, we have a number of these good distractions in our lives as well. Now, they aren't actually good, but Martha is so convinced that she's doing the right thing. She's so convinced of her good intentions. She's so convinced that she's right. Her sister is clearly being irresponsible, and she's so convinced, self-justified, that she then goes up to the Lord and says, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me? Tell her then to help me. And can you imagine this, friends? Martha goes to her very guest of honor, and instead of serving him, she halfway accuses him of not being aware of the situation at hand, and then she commands the Lord to do her will. Tell my sister then to help me. Now look, if, if we're honest with ourselves here, uh, how many times have we found ourselves in a similar situation? We've worked so hard and we've tended to so many things, so many seemingly necessary things in our lives. Lord, I've worked so hard at my job, day and night. I've done all of my tasks so well, even when no one was looking I've put in so many hours. Don't you see, Lord? Now give me that promotion. It only makes sense. Isn't it obvious? Lord, I've served my family so much, so tirelessly, day and night. Now give me the perfect obedient children. Lord, I've served so much in the church in so many ways. Now let me run this area of the church the way that I see fit. You see, the formula is something like this. Lord, I've done so much of this good A, haven't you noticed? So now, give me the logical obvious B, and then the list goes on and on. And so we, like Martha, can get so caught up in our serving, in our deeds, in our good distractions, that we can frankly get prideful, justified, that 
we can begin to have the audacity to command the Lord what He needs to give us and what we believe we rightly deserve. You see, these verses actually show us just how easily the human heart is self-justified in thinking that we are doing the right thing. Martha makes a lot of assumptions here, as do we quite often, uh, and she isn't seeking the Lord's will. In fact, she started to seek her own will for the Lord. And her actions and her words would have displayed that in that moment. Uh, Again, it may seem good and logical. She may be caught up in much serving and her endless responsibilities. Uh, But again, she doesn't see the will of the Lord. Martha should have been consulting the Lord, not commanding the Lord. And so the text is clear. Martha is distracted. She's caught up with much serving. That too, what seems like necessary serving. But again, God's word says these are distractions. This is not what she should be doing. It might seem like she's doing good things, but her heart, her actions show that her heart values her serving more than time with the Lord himself. And in the same way for us, friends, when we do not prioritize devotion, our time in God's word, we do not recognize who the Lord is and the value of time with him. Instead, we, like Martha, show that we have our priorities incorrect by valuing other things more than time with the Lord himself. And that brings us now to verses 41 and 42, our final verses for today, which show us now what Martha should have been doing instead. If all of these seemingly good things are distractions, according to the Lord, then what is the one thing necessary? What should have Martha been doing at this time? So let's read the text. But the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things, but one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion, which will not be taken away from her. You see, the Lord here, he compassionately responds to Martha. He knows her heart. He knows her service. He doesn't rebuke her harshly. He responds by saying, Martha, Martha. That's a term of loving endearment. It's a gentle correction. It's a kind response, full of care. He affirms that there are indeed many things that she is anxious and troubled about. But he then says, one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion, which shall not be taken away from her. And so friends, what is this one thing? What is the good portion that Mary chose, which will not be taken away from her? It's simply this, the one thing necessary, the good portion that shall not be taken away from Mary is personal devotion to the Lord through his word. Personal devotion to the Lord. This is the Christian's top priority. This is the one necessary thing for all of us. Last week, Matt Rohr talked about the uh, importance of serving in the church, and I affirm that fully. This passage is not saying to lay off on serving. It's not telling you to neglect or to throw away the responsibilities in your life. Yes, there is a balance, and you can try to become less busy in your life at times, and sometimes that is needed. But oftentimes... That is a temporary fix. Again, it's needed at times, but if we're real with ourselves, reducing our workload, reducing the number of responsibilities we have, it's not always going to be an option. The solution is far deeper than fixing our circumstances. The solution is actually to fix our hearts. If the solution was to fix our circumstances alone, then the Lord could have left Martha's home and taken the work off her plate. It's far deeper than external circumstances. The solution, according to the Lord, to our busyness, to our troubled spirit, to our anxiety, the solution is to choose the good portion first. The one thing necessary is to set aside the things that seem important 
to spend time first with the one who is the most important. And that is to sit at the feet of the Lord to receive his teaching in our personal time in his word. This is what's going to redeem our perspective and our responsibilities. We each need personal devotion in our lives. As one preacher once put it, he said this, he said, instruction from the Lord must come first before service for the Lord. You see, responsibilities always exist. At any given moment, there are a number of responsibilities that each of us have on our shoulders. And if you don't have them, I promise you, there will be a season where you will. But Mary had done the one thing she needed to do. She did the one most important thing. The Lord was passing through her village. He entered into her house for a period of time. And in that moment, Mary made the decision to prioritize correctly. She came to the feet of the Lord in personal devotion to the Lord, receiving instruction from the Lord before serving the Lord. All other things are secondary. Martha should have realized that everything else could have been planned around her personal devotion to the Lord first. And you see, again, it's not evident at first that Martha is doing anything wrong in these passages until the Lord speaks to her in verses 40 and 41. The passage actually addresses something quite subtle that can happen in the believer's life. The passage is talking about the fact that Martha had put good things in front of the best thing. She put many things in front of the one thing that's necessary. And this is not overtly evil at first glance. It's not overtly bad. Martha isn't trying to sin. She's actually trying to be faithful. Martha has many good intentions of what she's doing in her busyness. But unfortunately, her intent does not match her impact when it comes to what she should have been doing. Now, I want to share a personal story with you about something major that happened in my life recently. A few weeks ago at the church, we were coming out of Christmas, uh, which is often a very busy season, time, a busy season around here, and we were planning for the new year amongst a host of other uh, responsibilities and personal circumstances in my life. Uh, my wife and I, we were navigating having a newborn baby, uh, our fourth child, our wonderful daughter, and a full-time job here at the church, um, part-time schooling in the evenings, and we were helping some friends who were in need, and all of a sudden, I started to feel the weight of responsibilities on my shoulders. Again, good things, but I became very, very busy. It was to the point where at any given moment in my life, you could have asked me what, needed, what I needed to do, and I'd probably have a checklist for you of at least 20 to 30 important things that should have been done right away or that I probably should have done yesterday. And I say this to you now because I know many of you are in the same boat, or at some point in your lives you've been there before, or maybe you'll potentially be there again. You see, I got so caught up as each day passed trying to manage and prioritize all these seemingly good, necessary distractions that I started to slowly neglect, subtly neglect the one thing that matters most. It was subtle and it was slow, but in the midst of busyness, my personal devotions with the Lord had started to slide. Now, you see, I justified it just like Martha. So many things happening. I was busy serving here and there, and over time, what became the first thing I did in the morning became the thing I did in the afternoon, became the thing I did in the evening, until eventually I had so many tasks that to complete my personal devotions with the Lord was something that I often set aside. Now, see, I'm sad to say that I got caught up in, the, in all of these things and, and that I neglected this time. And eventually, it did catch up with me. One day, uh, a few weeks ago, uh, I found myself awake in my bed at 3.45 a.m. in the morning uh, with a migraine that showed up out of nowhere, and it was a debilitating pain. Um, I couldn't even get out of the bed to sit up. It was so painful. And I know some of you have gone through migraines before, and you know what this feels like, but for three days straight, 
uh, the head pain that I had got worse and worse, and I continued and didn't get any better. And on the fourth day, I started to develop a bit of a rash as well. And, my, and at this point, my uh, wonderful wife uh, drove me to the ER. And after waiting, I met with a doctor uh, who then looked at my symptoms. And he said to me, he said, uh, he said Mihir, uh, Mihir, my friend, you have uh, shingles. <laughs> shingles. And for those who don't know, this is, uh, it's essentially chickenpox. It recurs as an adult, and it's uh, very, very, uh, very painful. Uh, it affects your nerves and causes nerve pain, and if it's bad enough, uh, as a doctor mentioned to me, uh, although it wasn't common, the excruciating head pain I was having was, uh, was actually being caused by the nerve pain that was associated with the shingles. And so when I asked the doctor, how, how could this have happened? Uh, he said, it's simple. Look, 99% of the time, shingles is caused due to stress. It was the stress in my life, the anxiety, my troubled spirit, just like Martha, that had brought me to this point. Now, how about you, friends? Are you feeling tired? Are you feeling stressed? Is this a heavy season for you? You see, it it is hard for me to admit this, but I boast in my weaknesses because the Lord taught me that I was neglecting the one thing necessary. Out of his love for me, he brought me to an end of myself, to realize that I needed to reprioritize my devotional time with him in his word above everything else. Even as I prepared for this message today, the Lord reminded me even now of how my heart and my mind at that time a few weeks ago were so troubled about so many things. But was I like Mary, choosing the good portion each day? Are you choosing to sit at the Lord's feet and to receive his instruction before serving and before doing all of these necessary tasks in your lives? You see, none of us are immune to this, friends. Whether it's a pastor, whether it's anybody else, Martha was a committed follower of Jesus Christ, and she wasn't immune to this. And so I lovingly want to share the message of this passage with you today, because if you find yourself in a season where you haven't been prioritizing your personal devotional life, and you've been caught up in distractions and whatever busyness exists, then I would ask you to reevaluate that, friends. Reevaluate that. Now let me take this one step further. This applies even in Christian service. It's easy to be busy in the church. It's easy to be plugged into a various number of ministries, easy for others to see you and say, wow, there goes a man of God or a woman of God because of all their service. But they can miss the point. We can miss the point. Because in our hearts, are we prioritizing the one thing necessary, our daily devotion with the Lord? How are your daily devotions? And again, I say these things to all of you as someone that has learned a lesson the hard way in this. We're not perfect, not perfect at this. But again, I say these things to you as someone who is a fellow brother in Christ, who is also weak and who needs the Lord's word daily just as much as you do. If you're in a small group today, are you following your reading plan? How much of your time is in God's word? Are you in God's word? You see, the leaders of the ministries in this church prayerfully choose to get you involved in God's word so that you can prioritize devotion in your life. And so when you meet as a group, whether it's in men's, women's, mixed groups, young adults, youth, are you spending time in your group discussing your time in God's word? And if not, then why not? Are we neglecting the one thing necessary? There are a lot of other competing priorities and discussion topics that abound you can open up social media and there are, you know, a hundred different opinions about a hundred different most of the most urgent and most important topics around the world. And again, these aren't necessarily bad things. We live in the information age, but there's always so much being said, always so much 
to take in and to talk about. But the Lord here in this passage calls them distractions for us, just as he did for Martha. If we don't have our daily devotions right, then everything else is secondary. Everything else will eventually fail and we will eventually get burnt out. Again, we shouldn't first be caught up in the things of the Lord. We need to first be caught up in the Lord himself personally, receiving his word. Instruction comes before service. Now, remember, we don't do this perfectly. Uh, The Lord lovingly corrected Martha, Martha, Martha. And so he lovingly corrects us as well. Uh, Perhaps your devotional time has become a checklist item, or maybe it's just one of those to-do items on your checklist. But again, the the reality is this, is that it becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy. The less time that we meaningfully spend in God's word, the less time we want to spend in God's word. Perhaps your devotional time in God's word isn't where it's supposed to be. But today, friends, I hope that this this message will cause you to reevaluate that. This is ground zero, according to these passages. All of our lives as believers revolve around our personal devotion to the Lord and his word. Just like a doctor may prescribe medicine that doesn't taste very good, or just like a physiotherapist after an accident may force you to walk again slowly, which again might be very painful at first. If you stick to your personal devotion to God's word, This is the medicine that you need. It will bring you the healing that you need. That's the importance of our private devotional life. Again, easy for us to all fall off track. I'm not saying any of us do this perfectly. But if we get back to what the passage calls here, the one thing necessary, if we recommit ourselves wholeheartedly to the private and personal study, personal devotion to God's word, then over time, we're going to see everything else in our lives with the correct perspective we'll start to see and experience the Lord's peace again. Remember, Martha was anxious. Philippians 4 says that the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard our hearts and our minds in Christ Jesus. Martha had many troubles, but Jesus here prescribes a solution to Martha's anxious heart. And the solution is himself in personal devotion. So you see the responsibilities of this life as we conclude, they are eventually going to come to an end. There's going to be a day when the busyness, the endless tasks, the good distractions will come to cease. But our personal devotion, our personal time with the Lord each day in his word, even if it's 15 minutes a day, it has eternal value. In heaven, I know one thing for sure, and it's this. This life is going to be behind us. But we will still be at the feet of the Lord receiving his word. That's not going to come to an end. God's word will not come to an end. And so if you're, a, if you're not a follower of Jesus Christ today, then I simply want to ask you this. Where are you getting your strength from? Where are you getting your purpose from during these times? You see, we all sit at someone's feet, but whose feet are you sitting at? Is it the media? Is it the news that doesn't seem to end? Is it the social media and the countless opinions of other people constantly being said to you each day? these things are going to come to an end. You may be able to muster up the willpower now and push through hard times, but what happens when that life-changing event hits? What happens when you're stretched just a little bit too far and the elastic band snaps? You see, you were made, we were made for the Lord to receive his word each day. We were made to be in intimate relationship with him. That is our only good portion, our only everlasting peace 
the only true solution to anxiety in a troubled heart, and it's going to be found in the one thing that's never taken away, and that is the Lord Jesus Christ himself as revealed through God's word. Whether it's the good distractions in this life, such as the responsibilities uh, that you have, or the bad distractions, perhaps, such as excessive entertainment or social media and, and so forth, again, all of these are simply distractions in light of who the Lord is and the place that he must have in your life first. You see, you can't have, you can't do, excuse me, the one thing necessary unless you know the Lord. You can't be devoted to the Lord and to his word unless you have a relationship with the Lord. And so I implore you today, if you do not have a relationship with the Lord, then speak to someone who brought you here. Speak to a friend, reach out to us. We'd love to show you through God's word how you can have a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ today and thereby rightly prioritize your life with the peace that you desire and a life that has eternal value and impact. If you're here today as a believer in Jesus Christ, then hearing this message, it's very simple. I implore you to reevaluate and to seek where your priorities are. Going back to how we began, if someone were to ask you on any given day of the week, what is your top priority for the day? My hope and my prayer for all of us is that we could say it is our personal time with the Lord, our personal time in God's word. Everything else will fall into place if this one thing, if you do, excuse me, this one necessary thing, the strength that we need to make it through this busy season, the wind beneath our wings, it's going to be given to us through God's word. And simply put, friends, if we can stream a TV show, if we can watch a sports game, uh, then if we can spend 15 minutes a day doing anything else, then we can spend 15 minutes a day or more in God's word that gives us life. And so let us not neglect to make personal devotion uh, one of our priorities, personal devotion to God's word, Our time with the Lord is our top priority. And so let us recommit ourselves to that. It is needed. It is the one necessary thing for all of us, and it shall not be taken away. Let's pray, church, as we close. Lord Jesus Christ, thank you, God. Thank you, Father, for this, for your word. Lord, we pray that you would help us, help each one of us, God, in this busy season in our lives. There are so many things vying for our time, things that, that seem important, Lord. But again, just as you told Martha, Father, these things can end up as distractions. We don't prioritize our time with you first. Lord, we know that you give us much grace and that just as you gently corrected Martha, Father, there is much grace in this as well. But help us now, Lord, in these days ahead to prioritize your word. That each day, Father, you would be with us and that you would help us, Lord, to glean things of eternal value and that you would give us much peace, Father, and that you would help us to be like Mary, sitting at your feet before we do anything else. Be with us now, Lord, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.